Deflation and worsening deflation all throughout producer and trade prices as the global trade recession continues to ravage the global economy. And now we're getting more and more confirmation of at least disinflation in consumer prices, including in the United States. And the question is, why? Now, the answer seems to be, according to most markets, market curves, the deflationary recession gradually, incrementally moving toward us, including the U.S. economy. It's already wrecking large parts of the global economy, and it is coming closer and closer to the United States. Other people, including those at the Federal Reserve, say, no, no, we're just slowing down. Consumer prices are gently gliding the economy toward a soft landing, a perfect Goldilocks scenario. But... Goldilocks isn't what you think she is. Let me read you something. A jury of third graders learning about the criminal justice system convicted Goldilocks on breaking on two breaking and entering charges, but deadlocked on theft charges stemming from the disappearance of the bear's porridge. Last week's mock trial in Maryland School District Court was an exercise to show 53rd graders from Cecil Manor Elementary School how the criminal justice system works. The charges stemmed from a complaint filed by the Bears in April when they said they found a five-year-old girl asleep in one of the bedrooms. Goldilocks is a burglar and a suspected thief. I guess she got acquitted. This trial taking place back in 1992, 30 years ago. Hopefully she's reformed herself since then. But I doubt the, the economy has reformed itself in the way that most people are trying to claim, especially Jay Powell and the FOMC. This Goldilocks soft landing scenario that is based on what? It's largely been, okay, we see consumer prices are indeed coming down, but as Jay Powell said recently, and we'll go back over this again, we don't see the type of labor market destruction that we associate through the Phillips curve with lower consumer price pressures. And the reason is not because the economy is weathering the slowdown that is causing consumer prices to disinflate and producer prices to heavily deflate. It's because they're missing the missing link, which is the labor market itself. As we've been talking about many, many times for many months now, companies have been hoarding workers, which means among other things that it's delinking layoffs and reduction and lower utilization of labor from what is really a weakening in the economy. Because as spending slows down, company sales start to drop off. We've been talking about new orders. Backlogs start to go away. That means goods producers as well as service providers are experiencing less actual business, but they're not laying off workers. Not yet. They're waiting for that mythical second half rebound. So we see the disinflation from the weakening and we see the deflation because of the lack of sales and the inventory cycle that is provoking. But the Federal Reserve officials, therefore most of the public, they don't see the link between falling consumer price rates and the weakening in the economy because the unemployment rate looks fantastic. What were the new inflation numbers? We got consumer price estimates from GDP. We got the PCE deflator. We got bad income numbers, which shows you exactly what I'm talking about. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University, anniversary sale on all of our research products as well as memberships. And what are the memberships? They are exclusive video and other content. 
that describes and goes over, diagrams, illustrates what the Eurodollar system is, what it's supposed to do, why it isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Research subscriptions, a daily briefing that I do, I contribute, as well as a daily deep dive analysis where we dive much deeper into these money and macro topics because they're that important. They need a deep dive. So memberships, daily briefing, daily deep dive analysis, all the information, including special anniversary pricing at eurodollar.university. So the issue of labor hoarding is really an issue of timing. We've got the weakening in the economy. We've got the effects of the weakening in economy as businesses are struggling to sell their goods and services to an extent. They're, they're cutting back on materials orders, especially overseas in places like China. We see that in the PPI. They're cutting back on the inventory. We see that too, the inventory cycle, which is impacting producers. Why producers are, or producer economies are struggling much more than we see in the United States. Uh, global economic distress that is globally synchronized, not quite completely synchronized. But in terms of the labor market, the labor market, we don't see the types of layoffs that you normally associate with a recession. We do see a slowdown in hiring, a material slowdown in hiring that's indicated all across, not just the government numbers, but private surveys as well. And what that tells you is that companies are doing exactly what they're cutting back, they're managing their costs, but they're not taking that final step. And the effect of that is, among other things, policymakers are interpreting it as a Goldilocks soft landing scenario when most likely, that's what the markets are telling us, this is a transition phase between where we were before and where we're going ahead, which is not a soft landing. Businesses are already struggling. The economy is already struggling, even if you don't see it in the unemployment rate or the payroll report. Though that's, that's really showing up there too, as we've talked about before. The disinflation part, that one's becoming inescapable. Even the most reluctant inflationist over the last couple of years would have to admit that the numbers are becoming more and more and more, more and more decisively disinflationary. Again, they're deflationary, decisively deflationary in producer prices, and not surprisingly, consumer prices are following along. On Thursday, we got the GDP report, which among other things had the, the deflator numbers, the quarterly price numbers that go along with it. The GDP deflator was rose at a 2.6% quarter, quarter over quarter. That's an annual rate. That's down from 4.1% in the first quarter. And that's really, that's the lowest since the fourth quarter of 2020. So we're round tripping in prices on the supply shock cycle. The goods deflator, goods deflator was for the third quarter in a row, really low. It was 0.4% quarter over quarter at an annual rate. That's down a little bit from the first quarter, which was only 0.7%. As the inventory cycle has kicked it up since last year, goods price, increases have really slowed down. We see a little bit of a deflation there too. Uh, it's not worth pointing out that the goods deflator will, oh, on a year over year basis was up only 0.8% like everything else. That's the lowest since the fourth quarter of 2020. Sticking with GDP for a second, one last thing, services prices, because you hear that all the time. Okay, we see goods prices are falling, but services are gonna be sticky. That's going to be what happens. There, there's a lot of folks who have said, 
as service prices are sticky, we're going to see a transition in inflation or what they think is inflation. That with service prices sticking higher and continuing to increase higher, that's going to trigger the inflation expectations monster, which, which proposes that people form their inflation opinions based on current levels and current statistics and current things. And therefore they act based on those perceptions. That's the expectations theory. And so if you see services prices continue to expand at, a, uh, at, a, at an un unnecessarily high rate, then you're gonna continue, you're gonna start expecting inflation all throughout the rest of the economy, even as you see goods prices continue to slow down. That's the inflation expectations theory. It's complete garbage, but anyway, services prices finally broke down in the second quarter. According to the GDP numbers, services prices, the deflator there was up 3.8% quarter over quarter. That's an annual rate, which is still too high, but it's the lowest since the fourth quarter of 2020, down substantially for the first quarter, first time from 5.9% quarter over quarter annual rate in the first quarter. So services prices, like a lot of core numbers, are starting to go down too. We can see the disinflation trend building from the weak economy that we already have talked about in deflationary producer prices. On Friday, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the same folks who do GDP, did the monthly price numbers for us. They also did, more importantly, the income numbers, but let's talk about the price numbers first. The headline PCE deflator just for the month of June was up 0.16%. That followed a disinflationary number in May of 0.13%. In fact, three out of the last four months, the exception being April, the PCE deflator was in the teens, just a couple of basis points there. Year over year, the deflator was up 2.97%. That's the lowest year over year rate since March of 2021, continuing the disinflationary trend that is likely to get a little bit of a, a temporary bump with oil and gasoline prices in the month of July. But either way, the core rate, everybody's been talking about the core rate, the core rate, like the core CPI, the core PCE deflator, that one finally had a disinflationary month too. After six straight months of rising at better, better than a 0.3% monthly rate, in the month of, of June, the month over month change was just 0.17% compared to 0.31% in May. That was actually revised down a little bit. And that's the lowest monthly rate since July of 2022. On a year-over-year -year basis, the core PCE deflator was up just 4.1%, which is still way too high, but it's moving in the right direction and doing so in a convincing fashion. That's also the lowest since September, September 2021. As far as expectations are concerned, we can, we can look at any number of of potential data sources. We've got surveys, private surveys. We've got the Fed surveys. We've got the markets on tips. Um, even with oil prices up, tips aren't really doing all that much. The inflation break-evens there. The University of Michigan said uh, on Friday that the one-year expectation did rebound to 3.4% from 3.3%, but that's again with gasoline and uh, oil prices moving higher. So it's surprising that it didn't go much higher than 3.4%, just ticking up by one-tenth of a percentage point from uh, what was a, a, a multi-month low in the month of June. This is the July figure. The five-year longer run inflation expectation, consumer price expectation from the University of Michigan was again flat at 3.0%. 
So even if you were worried about expectations, there's no data to suggest that you should. And now we're seeing the disinflation in things like services prices as well as core prices. That's even less of a risk and a worry. Which brings us back to the original question. Is it because of Goldilocks or should we look at Goldilocks as a convicted criminal, at least according to those 50 elementary school students 30 years ago? Goldilocks, the scenario, the soft landing scenario, Jay Powell laid it out at his press conference on Wednesday when he said, it has been my view consistently that we do have a shot. And my base case is that we will be able to achieve inflation moving back down to our target without the kind of really significant downturn that results in high levels of job losses that we've seen some past instances, many past instances of tightening that looks like ours. That's been my view. That's still my view. And, and I think, you know, that's sort of consistent with what I see today, including all the price data that we just went over, the GDP report um, for the second quarter, the GDP number being 2.4%, which everybody says is red hot. That's really good. So as far as Paul is concerned, he looks at the data. He looks at prices coming down. It looks very much like Goldilocks if you don't account for the labor hoarding, if you don't account for, in particular, what's going on around the rest of the world. Because that's one thing that Jay Powell did in 2019 when he started cutting rates. He actually uh, cited weak global growth as couching in, in political terms of trade wars, but saying, hey, the rest of the global economy is getting weak and we're starting to see that weakness come around in the United States. So in July of 2019, the Fed was cutting rates, not raising them. And eventually they did another round of QE in September of 2019, though they, they, they tried not to call it QE. They said, don't call it QE, but it was QE. The difference being that in 2023, the economy, especially outside the U.S., but including the U.S., is materially worse. It's materially worse, in particular, incomes. So incomes continue to be weak as producers and service providers see their own businesses start to start to weaken, and it it raises the chances that we're that what we're witnessing isn't a Goldilocks disinflationary scenario. It is, as I said at the outset, the transition from at least modest expansion in the aftermath of 2020, not red hot recovery, to the ragged end of historical supply shocks, something consistent with the ragged end of historical supply shocks, rather than Goldilocks. It's Goldilocks as the convicted criminal. The Bureau of Economic Analysis also provided us with, with income and spending numbers for the month of June. And the income numbers in particular were, as they have been, more alarming than not. I often talk about real personal income excluding transfer receipts, which was modestly positive in the month of June. And it has been much, it's been slightly better this year, if only because price pressures are coming down. But as you can see, Real personal income, excluding transfer receipts, is way, way, way behind the 2009, the 2010s trend, which was itself way, way behind the pre-2008 trend. So in terms of price-adjusted private sources of income, the economy is way, way behind. And so we understand what's going on as far as weakening nominal spending. 
we've run out of the government, artificial government savings and stipends, stipends that were issued in 2020 and 2021. And you could see that most clearly in real disposable personal income. I mean, it's, it's even worse than real personal income excluding transfer receipts. Real disposable personal income is way, way, way behind. It is so far behind, it looks like a gigantic hole that we can't get out of. And since the middle of last year, real personal disposable income started to rise a little bit as price pressures came down. But as you can see in January or after January, it stopped rising. Despite the fact that consumer price pressures and consumer price rates are diminishing, this, this, this disinflation it's not translating into rising levels of disposable personal income because disposable personal income on a nominal level are slowing down too. Everything is slowing down on a nominal basis, which threatens to expose, among other things, the labor hoarding. Businesses are seeing less, less volume of sales, less volume of activity, working through backlogs. We know producers, producers around the rest of the world are, are really struggling the economy is really struggling and the, the consumer price numbers are beginning to reflect that even if you don't see it in the unemployment rate because Goldilocks was a criminal. If you want to see more information from Eurodollar University on the topic of consumer prices as well as the Phillips curve, historical supply shock, what we should expect from a supply shock, all that stuff, check out this video on the screen here. Until next time, Everyone take care.